And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Brandon, Sleep Dog, here with the Big Hawk. What's up, everybody? Uh, SHWW Nation. Uh, we got a lot of things to cover. High drama, a lot of action, and uh, really looking forward to this pod. Tar Heels starting to heat up. Uh, the second half is coming. Hey, guess what? Their second half team. Uh, really looking forward to this podcast. What a week, man. We've got the batch to recap. We finally got like, uh, we're like on track here. Like all of our episodes are up to date. Like this one will actually be current, I think, when uh, those three of you out there in Sleep Hawk Nation listen to it uh, this time. Uh, the heels definitely look good last night. They're definitely coming on strong. Uh, the big dog here, little sleep dog, uh, he pulled out a just comeback for the ages in the DraftKings uh, uh, league last night. We'll get some into that later. We'll look at the NFL championship games preview. We'll talk a little bit about the Big Hawks, uh, you know, might share some Kobe stories with us here on like the one year anniversary that was celebrated yesterday of his passing away. And and you never know what else we'll get into. Uh, but the first things first, man, the Bachelor, you know, heels are heating up and we'll get to that. But the Bachelor, man, that is really heating up. A lot of drama coming at you on the Bachelor. Um Old uh, Chris Harris is pulling a little doopsie daisies out there, adding adding to the mix, bringing the drama, bringing some more girls. Uh, I do, I do like the new girls that he that he uh, were brought in. To be honest with you, I like the girl from Chicago. Uh, what is her name? Brittany. Brittany is her name. I was uh, just starting to learn the other ones. And I think the other one is Michelle. Looks like she's tall. Looked like she was a college athlete. Uh, felt like her and Matt had a vibe going. Um, Big time. Felt like she made the most of the one on one. Now Brittany got off that thing and she was right to town. I oh, mean yeah. she did not hold back. I feel like that's the type of girl that's really gonna open up Matt. Uh Matt's like I said, he's more reserved than uh, we could have ever dreamed of. Um, but the one thing he did not do, he did not pray uh after <laughs> new girls were brought on. Um I don't know if that's a sign of things to come, like the whole, hey, let's throw everything out the window for this next few few episodes and figure see what happens. But um, there's a little controversy going on right now. Do you think Brittany is an escort? And what, I mean, what is a, there was a debate, what is an escort and is she an escort? Oh, good. They've got all of them updated here now, too. Her picture is not doing her a lot of service here on the uh on the ABC The Bachelor website. Yeah, no, no chance this girl's an escort. I, you know, we talked some about this. Like, it was kind of funny where, uh, what's her name? The girl that looks like Skeletor, whose teeth are always like open on the top and the bottom, was like <laughs> spreading that rumor around. That's and, Anna. Anna. That's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Anna, I really think is, is attractive in certain, you know, when the camera hits in certain angles. But when she does that whole like shocked face, to me, she looks like Fire Marshal Bill and I just can't get over it. But mm-hmm. yeah, she's clearly just, uh, yeah, that's the thing that I keep forgetting about this. I'm looking at all of their names on the rosters. These girls are all in like their early 20s, and it shows. And there's no way this girl's an escort. What these other girls are just jealous of is that like this girl's hot enough where dudes with money hang out with her and uh, probably buy her stuff and you know have her around when they're doing the bottle service or what have you. 
Uh, yeah, so it's just some haters everywhere. Uh, you're really starting to see the cats come out, them claws come out. Uh, mm-hmm. And I ain't talking about white claws. Uh, there's no laws when you're on those claws, but there are a lot of laws, apparently, when you are in the bachelor pad. And, uh, yeah, I thought she got treated kind of unfairly. I thought she sort of brought it on herself, that whole uh, they saved the best for last comment. Um, and then the Puerto Rican uh, <laughs> Miss America or whatever, that was kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, it definitely added an interesting mix. Uh, my thing is... Uh, you know, a big hawk here. He has a new front runner pretty much every week here. But oh, for me, uh, Katie is really cut rising to the top and it's pissing everybody off. Yeah, I think uh, Katie kind of goes against the grain. I think she's well spoken, she's smart, seems like you know, somebody that is uh, level headed. And like we said, uh, Chris Harrison, she could take your job here in a little bit because she makes a lot of sense and she takes high drama and kind of dummies it down. And also the queen went to her, Victoria tried to test her and she shut that shit down real quick. Slammed the door on that. She's like, Hey, I'm not one of these four year old, like immature, uh, you know, whatever you want to say. All right. You want to come at me like that? I'll go one up you. I'll go smart on you. Uh, Victoria is like, she becomes more and more annoying as the show goes on. And I just can't bear through an episode without just like cringing when she starts talk talking. And now I think she's gotten toward the, towards the desperation stage where she's just doing anything for attention. Uh, I do like Brittany. Um, I meant her name is Katie, the vibrator girl, but yep. she really fooled us uh, because the first uh, impression, she brought a vibrator out there and we would not expect her to be uh what she is uh yeah uh, she seemed like the most immature yeah. one to start with because we were talking about how she just wouldn't let it go and it wasn't funny and she just mm-hmm. couldn't like and and now it's like dude this girl is like like she's everybody's mother and she's refreshing because she actually like has a brain and, and most of these girls don't seem like they do yeah and i agree with you but i'm gonna go ahead and give you my top three as of right now um, I'm going to go Serena P is my favorite. Uh, always liked her, really liked her one-on-one with Matt. She seemed, she seemed, she is young. She seemed very smart. Uh, she seemed supportive and, uh, she just, honestly, I think she's too good for Matt. Uh, the next one is Bree. I like Bree. I think she looks good. She's growing on me. And then, uh, Piper. I do like Piper too. Um, so I will post on the Instagram page my top five and break it down later. But those are my top three right now. Uh, very high on those three. Who was the one, the new one? Was It It was Michelle. Yeah. All right. Yep. So Michelle is, is really – that one was the one chick that I've seen literally in this show and The Bachelorette before where I was like, okay, I feel like she's she's got – like they have the most legitimate like connection. Um Here's my top three, and this does not really include uh, c- include that girl because I, I don't really know why. Because probably because I just thought of this. Um, like Katie has got to be in there if God knows what's good for him. Uh, who was my second one? Um, hmm. Maybe I will go with. Oh no no no! It's uh, oh Chicago girl just showed up. Brittany. Uh, Brittany. Yep. Yep, that's her. She's two. And then here's my thing. Abigail, still hanging around at number three, man. I can't, can't forget about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's she's got a storyline that The Bachelor can't live without. Victoria's gone this episode. That 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 one's run its course. She's throwing up. She's doing all this stuff. Uh, you know, they did the little teaser. She's mm-hmm. on Good Morning America. Her fame is starting to get out. Uh, I just don't think I don't see her surviving the next one. Uh, even though she just just brings absolute noise and uh, and is the whole point of the thing. 
And then, of course, like, yeah, I think – so I gave you my top three. I think realistically this uh, Michelle chick, um, you know, maybe the Serena P or some of these other other chicks, you know, the MJ is going to stick around a while. But you're going to start seeing some of the, you know, some of the staples of the show start falling off here shortly. And uh, we're going to be getting down to the nitty-gritty I, I here agree. soon. I agree. I think uh, Victoria's got to go. No way she makes it past this last episode, um, this next episode coming up. Uh and MJ, I want to see that more. I uh, know she hadn't. I don't think she's had a one-on-one. I do think MJ is a. She's a dark horse. Uh, I've I've liked her from the get. Somehow she hasn't had enough exposure for me to just kind of like go all in. But I think she is a candidate, and I think she brings a lot to the table. We'll see where what happens there. Uh, I think this Brittany girl. I think she's going to be high drama. The new girl from Chicago uh, that. The other girls are claiming an escort. Obviously, the other girls feel intimidated or they wouldn't make these things up and start talking shit about her. Um, and then uh, the Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rican Catalina wine mixer. Yeah, Catalina. Uh, I'm not big high on her, nah. actually, to be honest with you. Can't believe she, you kept her. Yeah, she might make it through another couple episodes, but she's just a uh, dead man walking. I mean, her time's coming soon. Just like a mannequin. I mean, not in a, not in a, like she's just stiff, you know? Um, that wasn't a cut down to her. She's a pretty lady. Uh, yeah, she just didn't do it for me. You know, I was just thinking about the Britney chick. They said like they were they, the Chicago circles, you know, run pretty small. I wonder if old Boomerang Bob's got the 411 on a. Oh, no, Boy, uh, that is a good one. I mean, that is a that is. I mean, Bob. I mean, Bob goes out a lot. Maybe we can see if uh, he knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, and see what they say about her. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll listen. We'll get our sources. We'll get Fraser on it. Um, yeah, we'll he we'll get everything you want to know. We'll have it for the next pod. Period. That's right. Hey, boom! If you're out there, man, you keep your ear to the ground. Uh, this is big. This is a big time. This is, a, this is when the when the cream rises to the top when they flip the switch, so to speak. Speaking of flipping the switch, the Tar Heels did it last night, man. Uh, thoroughly taken care of. Pitt looked a little shaky uh, down the stretch, almost like they were uh, you know, sputtered a little bit. Might have gotten uh, kind of a unique situation for them to have such a such a large lead uh, and maybe took their foot off the gas a little bit. Point being, they shut. Uh, you know, they they finished it out and uh, looked good doing it. And we're up to what, like fourth or fifth in the conference. Yeah, we're playing well. I said they're going to be a second-half team, and they are a second-half team. Freshmen are starting to look good. Caleb's finding his rhythm, uh, playing well, getting his confidence. Uh, RJ stepping in, playing really well. There's also another guy that I did not see playing this well, and I'm not sure a lot of other people, but Kerwin uh, is playing unbelievable, and he's hitting big-time shots. We needed a shooter desperately to open things up because uh, we have very good bigs and we pound the ball inside. And it's tough to do that when you have no shooter shooters because the defense will just collapse inside and just uh, bog everything up. Now that he's playing heavy minutes, I think Armando's playing unbelievable. He's our leading scorer. He had 21 and 10 last night. Uh, great. He's playing well. He's also playing – Harder. I mean, he's playing his effort level from last year. He's improved dramatically. I think he's the most improved player on the team. Uh, I love what he's doing. He really looks like he's having fun out there. Uh, Garrison had a solid game, uh, eight for 11, uh, 16 points, uh, six rebounds. That's not all that great, but uh, eight for 11 field goal percentage was great. Um, 
Yeah, we're playing really well. Uh, I do think Pitt had a bad game, but also there's a reason Pitt had a bad game. It's because we brought it and we came to play. Uh, Pitt hasn't been playing great. They lost to Wake Forest, which is a uh, pretty weak team in my opinion, uh, previously uh, before they played the Tar Heels. But the Tar Heels are looking good. Um, I'm looking forward to their uh, to their growth and seeing what they can do. Uh, I know they have a big test in Clemson coming up. Uh, their next game, I think it is on Tuesday. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I think they're playing well. Yeah, Clemson's a big one for us for a number of reasons. Got the monkey off their back last year when they beat our just dilapidated team for the first time in 60 tries at home. Uh, what a, what a just. You know, what a perfect way to avenge that loss. I mean, Clemson's has been as high as like eighth in the country. I think they're 20th last time I looked. So they've fallen off a little bit. They're still obviously a great team. Uh, be a good matchup for us to test ourselves against a proven opponent. I still think there's a couple of, uh, you know, I still just wish I was talking to somebody about this day, kind of wish Caleb Love would like have a big game. You know, just have a game where he goes out and gets, you know, 25, 30 points maybe, uh, you know, shoots it really well and just kind of gets over the hump because you just get the feeling that that guy is like right there. He just needs some things to fall his way. He hit, he knocked down that open jumper from like just right at the top of the key last night. And it was just like form, you know, everything, just confident stroke. And it's like, man, if he could only, you know, find that within his game right now, I think you'd really see him take off, uh, you know, and, he, you know, you mentioned Kerwin Williams. I think he is uh, probably like, in my opinion, I was talking to someone about this last night too. I think he's the best sort of like role player shooter we've had since, um, you know, maybe Wayne Ellington. And here's where, here's where I'm going with that. Like he's not on that level by any means, but you had guys like Joel Berry. You had guys like Justin Jackson. uh, You had, I know I said, I was telling last night, I think since Marcus Page and Marcus Page, but those guys had different roles on the team. They were like expected to shoot and do other things. And like what Wayne did and what, what, what Danny Green did. I mean, these guys were all, like I said, far superior players, not even the same conversation, but Kerwin holds this role with the team that is similar to the role they played, which is that that guy is, you know, you ask the fans, like, what does this guy do? He knocks down shots. He's a volume shooter. He's an accurate shooter. And I, it's, it's nice to have a guy that you can rely on when they kick the ball out to him to knock down open shots. And, you know, we have, we didn't have it last year. Uh, and it seems like we haven't had that kind of one guy to fill that. We're like, hey, you need a bucket? You go to this guy. Um, so I, I like watching them. And I like kind of how the roles are developing. Like you said, the, you know, the, the team is really kind of coming together. A lot of these guys are able to play their strengths and they seem to work well with one another. And, and as that starts to happen, it even seems like Garrison Brooks is really sort of finding his stride a little bit too. So, yeah, I mean, if, if they can keep up the same pace, you know, they, you got to keep in mind that these guys are probably going to lose another game at some point. And how mm-hmm. are they going to respond to, you know, you know, to really sort of working their way up and then getting knocked down and rung again? You know, can they bounce back from that? But, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, you mentioned it, role players. Everybody has like a certain role on a team. Um, if you look through guys that I've played with, uh, Wes Miller is a shooter that comes to mind that played a really good role. Now, Bobby Frazier, who, I mean, McDonald's All-American, arguably a top 20 player coming out of uh, high school. I mean, that those are hell of role players. 
those are some of the best role players you can think of as guys like Frazier. But the reason I say that, and I play with a real, you know, I play with a lot of good role players. Um, you know, Deion Thompson was a very good role player who could come in. Uh, he actually started, rebounded, scored, do a little bit of everything. And I think Kerwin, I think part of his success has come from, you know, he wasn't the most highly recruited uh, freshman that we have this year. And it is almost like he has no expectation. He's just going out there and hooping and just playing and does what he does best. And that's knockdown shots. And so when I see guys like just having fun, enjoying the game and just making the most out of what they have, I really respect that. Uh, I think that's kind of what Luka Gardzic, uh from Iowa is doing. I mean, this guy's playing unbelievable, but he was not that good, not highly recruited, but he's making the most of what he has. And I really respect that. I'm looking forward to watching Kerwin play. Uh, he's definitely grown on me and, uh, I do think he's having a – now, we say role player. He's having a hell of a freshman year. Uh, not a lot of people can come in and do what he does. Um, but uh, we're pretty lucky because we're going to see this kid grow. Uh, I definitely think he's going to play big minutes and have big impact games for us. And it's good to see that people are starting to find their role and their niches uh, on this team. I think that's kind of what we thought Andrew Playtech would be like. Mm-hmm. be a guy who could knock down shots, come in, play some defense. But uh, it looks like – Kerwin's kind of taking that over as a freshman and uh, we're going to get some good basketball out of him and I'm really excited. Yeah, we couldn't be coming together at a better time in such an uncertain year. I mean, they're talking last night. It's kind of odd. You go into the game and they're talking the the announcers were. I can't who was the other dude that was not the main announcer, but the, the NBA guy. Was that Brennan Haywood last night? I can't remember. Um, I anyway, he was kind yeah, of yeah. They have so many new guys on yeah. the ACC. It was on ESPN, right? Yeah, but it was I think the ACC crew. Was that Alfonso guy? It, was oh, it? Alfonso Ellis. That yeah. might have been him. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I was hoping it wasn't Brendan Haywood because I kept he kept saying dumb shit. Anyway, um, which totally knocked me off my train of thought. But the, one of the things they were talking about was you know they had like you know uh, the Tar Heels were the last four buys at the, at the start of the game last night. And I think, you know, there's a team, you know, at least what I see is that they could go from, you know, being this sort of mark. They're, they're, I think they're securely in the tournament, obviously, at the top of the ACC, top, you know, quarter of the ACC. But I think they could go from being a team that sort of merely just, you know, got their spot locked up, maybe like somewhere between a five or an eight seed to like really pushing for a, you know, a, a higher seed, you know, three, four, something like that, going somewhere, get a good region and make some noise. Yeah, I'm looking for, yeah, I think they can definitely do that. They're definitely better than what they were. And, uh, you know, like I said, when you have a core group of freshmen like this, they're not just going to be able to walk out there and win games from the start. Coach Williams has done a really good job. He's actually my ACC coach of the year pick. Uh, I think he's coached this group very well. You can see the development in the team, and I think we're going to continue to get better. It would be nice to see these guys get a uh, nice run uh, towards uh, you know the ACC. I know we got Duke after Clemson, which I'm really looking forward to. But also, you got to take it. You know, one thing that people aren't talking about. So you look at Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, 
all out of the top 25. What impact do you think the fans had on that? Or is this just a down year in talent-wise for Duke, Kentucky, and us? Because I think we're coming on. We're, we're on the verge of being a top 25 team. We're going to be in the top 25. But those other two schools have really been struggling. And one thing we're not talking about is these freshmen have not seen uh, hostile environments like a Duke, like a Clemson, Florida State. And it's just interesting as we watch these games. It's just a unique situation. It's almost like a pickup game when you're watching it. You know, we talked a lot about that last week, and the thought has crossed my mind of, you know, not so much anymore about that because I think there's just no question. No question. It has a huge impact. This is the first time I think they said since 1961 those three teams have been out of the top 25. I mean, a lot of shit happened since 1961, and that ain't one of them. Um, my, th- my curiosity now shifts to the NBA. Like these guys are great players. A lot of kids coming out these days, one and done, uh, or even you know maybe some of these guys at this point are sophomores and and had a weird year last year, and mm-hmm. then you know where everything kind of got shut down early. There was no March Madness, um, and then you know you got this year. And so what it's interesting to me is they are missing a huge, huge piece of the learning curve of becoming a high school player to a pro player. The mm-hmm. reason there is a one and done besides the the just idiocracy of the NCAA is because to a certain extent, a lot of these kids that think they could go to the league out of high school can't, right? And 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 a lot of what I think, and you obviously you speak to this way better than me, as usual, uh, as the second best player on the Sleep Hawk Worldwide podcast <laughs> here. Um, but I would imagine that, you know. That's a big piece of the puzzle. You go to the NBA and, you know, people are there every night <laughs> paying big money. They're saying what they want to say. Nobody's and, – and, and you have to in a lot of ways, uh, you know, kind of manufacture that, um, you know, that that sort of, uh, you know, that X factor that comes along with, with playing in front of a crowd like that. Yeah, you know, the NBA crowd is so different than the college crowd um, that uh, – you know the college crowd on a you know a nightly basis you're going to have a much more hostile atmosphere but what you see at the at the NBA level is you'll see a lot of front runners obviously when LeBron comes in town uh you know when I was in the NBA D Wade all these guys all these big time guys when they come into town everybody's coming out to watch these and then uh, especially being in you know when I played in Indianapolis uh D Rose was a really good player for the Bulls at the time MVP year and you'd have a lot of Chicago people come over and get the tickets but uh yeah I mean college basketball environment is so different than NBA environment but I will say when you watch the NBA playoffs and you watch home arenas, that's what makes the playoffs. I mean, that's what NBA is about. And, I mean, the the NCAA tournament is great. The, uh, you know, the Duke atmosphere is great. But there's no better atmosphere than NBA playoffs, in my opinion, at a home court advantage when you have, you know, when I was with Toronto and then they're playing the um, – national anthem for Canada and everyone in the crowd, they just turn the mic off and the crowd sings it. I mean, I literally had goosebumps. I mean, there's, there's a lot of pride and the fans take it serious. So that is what, uh, you know, is, is the difference in the arena and the atmosphere. But I would say, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a little different for these college kids. It's going to see how they adjust to these, uh, crowds and these COVID games. And I think, uh, Duke's kind of learning the hard way about that too. 
Yeah, and I think it, the, the main thing from the crowd perspective, that transition to you know the NBA life is pressure, right? The, the thing about the, the the hostile crowds in college teach you how to play under pressure. And so you get into, all right, let's say the regular season NBA isn't quite the same, but then you get to the playoffs. And a lot of these guys, if they're a high pick, they probably ain't making the playoffs for a couple of years because they're going to be on a shitty team. Um, but the other thing about NBA playoffs that, you college, that college kid isn't going to ever – get to experience until they experience it is now you're playing for money and like people are making money with each, you know, uh, you know, each round they progress and those sorts of things. Like, does that add anything to the element there? I mean, so like, you know, I think explain to me like how much incentives, you know, that are built into contracts or maybe not at all. So I'm just sort of asking this out loud. Um, you know, when, especially younger players that haven't like, uh, you know, they haven't like made their, you know, made that big payday yet or what have you, you know, uh, how much of these contracts are incentive laden and how much pressure does that put on a young player to perform, not only to get that next deal that secure to secure that sort of longevity, but I mean, you start talking about, you know, uh, player benefits and things, the longer your career stretches out. And then, you know, as you go into the year, you know, the games you play, the statistics you put up, all these things can be built into your contract. And what, what is that like as a player? Yeah. So adding money to the game is uh, obviously players going to put more pressure on themselves but there's a lot of things you know when I watch an NBA game that I notice that the normal person wouldn't notice and a lot of things that I notice are statistical stats that would make a difference so why would a person not take a half court heave um, when the time's running out and hold on to the ball instead of shoot it well that guy's a shooter and he doesn't want, doesn't want his shooting percentage to drop because uh, he could be classified as one of the best percentage shooters from the three-point line and a full court heave is, I don't know, under a 1% chance of making it. And that's going to drop your three-point shooting percentage. A lot of people don't look at this. Why would somebody not want to hold the ball when the shot clock's running down? You get a turnover. So you want your assist turnover ratio to be a little bit higher so you can say you have a high assist turnover ratio and you get paid more based on that. But the incentives uh, in the NBA – they're not as this. Not many contracts are as incentive based as you think. It would be uh, more of like the incentive based, like what's the difference between a max and a super max? And okay, normal people wouldn't know that. So when you're coming up on your first deal and you've made, I think, an All NBA team twice, first All NBA team. Uh, two times, then you qualify for a super max and a super max is an extraordinary amount of money. And then when you look at, um, um, other things like, you know, you look at the you know, NBA draft, everything is slotted. So your contract's pretty much already made out for the first two years. Then the team has option. And then the team has option after the, uh, third and fourth year, if they want to keep you. Uh, but, uh, as far as incentive goes, you make more money the farther you go in the playoffs, but that's called a playoff bonus. And the team will decide, the players decide how they want to chip that off and break it up and dispense it throughout the whole team, front office, however they want to work it. Usually teams that win championships and make deep runs have more money to split throughout everybody. Usually if they're bouncing the first or second round, uh, it's pretty much evenly divided between the team and a little bit between the training staff and guys who don't make a lot of money. Uh, that have worked around the team a lot, uh, the equipment manager and things like that. But uh, 
Yeah, it is in, it is interesting to watch because a lot of the incentives come off of shoe deals. So if you lead the league in rebounding, you're going to make a ton of much more money off of marketing and then shoe companies can use that and things like that. So league MVP, all-star game. I mean, the incentives, those are, those are talking about if you qualify for those incentives, you're already making a ton of money. It's just piling up at that point. But yeah, it is interesting to watch that and see how guys react under pressure because, uh, obviously when you put money in, it's a whole new game, people get more selfish and, uh, it does add a, Add extra, it does add extra pressure that a lot of people don't even think about. Dude, that's so interesting to me. The part I did not know that, like, as you go deeper, the players have a voice in like how they split the money. Say for the NBA Finals, um, are there any stories of like, you know, I mean, what happens? I would think that like, all right, LeBron takes the Lakers to the NBA Finals and they win the championship. LeBron's got plenty of money. I mean, in my brain, I'm thinking like, LeBron is probably like the first voice in the room that says, "Give the money to the guys that aren't making." as much on the team, right? Obviously, I think everybody would chip in and say, hey, give the towel guy some more money, right? But uh, that's weird, man. Just, I mean, it, how does that work? Do you have any idea? Nah, see, the thing is like, you know, championship teams have so much money to break, but when you get bounced in the first or second round and you've been battling for that playoff spot and you have somebody on the team, uh, you know, your 10th or 11th man showed up one night. He's been to every practice. Uh, that guy won us a game on one Wednesday night when our center fouled out, our point guard was hurt or something like that. And that guy is making, uh, you know, he's not going to be in the NBA very long and he's making a significantly less money than, um, you know, LeBron and those guys. So what you want to do is you would rather break it up amongst the players because that money means a lot more. Uh, the Tao guy, in all honesty, uh, probably didn't put the effort into that the 10th or 12th man right. who's probably going to be in the league for two or three years and won't receive the benefits um, will get. But yeah, if you make a deep playoff run, they're going to take care of the masseuse, everybody. There's going to be a big chunk that everyone kind of breaks it up. But uh, yeah, a lot of people don't think about, you know, the guy who came on the 10 day and played rotational minutes and practice with us, uh, what kind of chunk we should give him, uh, things like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um <clears throat> Couple of teams that have already made deep playoff runs playing this weekend. Switching over to football now, we've got the Pack and the Bucks, uh, and we've got the Chiefs. And who the hell are they playing? My brain just froze. <laughs> the Bucks. <laughs> the Bucks are playing the uh, the Bucks are playing the Packers, and the Chiefs are playing. Uh, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, the Bucks. Uh, Tom Brady. And they the, beat the shit out of the Packers this weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. Um, yeah. So it's didn't beat the worldwide. shit out of them. They beat they beat the Packers. Yeah, the Bucks the win. Did the Chiefs? Uh, who the fuck did the Chiefs beat? God bless. They uh, beat the Bills. Yeah. The Chiefs. All right. uh, the Chiefs beat the Bills. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, guys, yeah. listen. Well, we Aaron Rodgers' hair. We were is all so I can think fucking of. fixed on the Bachelor that listen. We'll we'll cover the sports too. What? Who do the Bucks play? The Bucks. You played, don't know either. That's the why the Bucks played the Packers. No, but who do they play this weekend? They play the Chiefs. It's it's Mahomes versus Brady. No, the Chiefs are in the AFC, dude. 
Is this the Super, Super Bowl? Bowl? Oh, shit, man. It sure it's is. It's a goddamn Super Bowl, people. It? All right. I wish that was an act, but uh, <laughs> God bless, man. Wow. It's been a long week. Doopsie daisies. <laughs> Doopsie daisies. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, Super Bowl isn't even this weekend, I bet. It's probably next weekend. Uh, but you, so you have to keep in mind. You have to remember, dude. I'm not allowed to watch many games these days. Um, so, you know, we're going to, we got to, we got to, Sleephawk Nation, here's what I need from you. Because I don't get a lot. Let's face it. You guys don't follow us. You guys don't send us DMs. You guys, hell, half of you probably don't listen to the things that you, you know, that we say when we do this. Um, one thing that benefits you is if you, you know, do watch Sheed's picks, and, you know, probably be good not to take action on those. Um, I need you to help me game plan. I got to figure out how I'm going to get, you know, uh, how am I going to get to watch the Super Bowl here? We got the Chiefs and the Bucks. You know, this could be history. This is this is Tampa. This is Tom going for going for it all, dude. Tom Brady wins this Super Bowl. Forget it. There is no argument whatsoever. I don't think there is one to begin with. No argument. That guy's the best player ever lived. Um, people will still hate. People will people, hate. But people will hate him even more. Hate all you want after this one. I mean, the fact that he's this far is impressive enough, uh, dude. I mean, forty three. Wow. And doing he's doing is unbelievable. I'm actually I'm picking the Bucks and Tom Brady's good, but I think the Bucks defense is just real. And man, they made they made Aaron Rodgers question whether he even wants to play football anymore. Do you see him? <laughs> Do you see his hair? I I just couldn't get over his hair. Man, I I liked Aaron Rodgers, but it just seems like he's gotten a little more dramatic as it's gone on. And that guy is one of the most talented quarterbacks apparently ever. Um, he's a strange cat, man. He he is different. Like I don't I don't know what it is, but. Why would you want out of Green Bay? God bless, dude. I, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe there's some room for you on the Washington football team. I mean, just saying. Uh, they 49ers can, they can use would take him. Apparently he's from much, that area. Yeah, pretty much anybody would take him, I'm thinking. The Rams might take the him. Jets might take him. Um, the Rams barely don't even want golf. That's right. Yeah, he's locked don't up. I saw like $90 million the next four years. Wow. Um, tell him to fuck off. Doopsie daisies. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a Super Bowl. Wow. I mean, we got all kinds of things. Send us your recipes. Send us your picks. Send us your, uh, you know, all your hopes and dreams. And we'll light them up in, into flames. But, uh, you know, something tells me in a game like this where you want Brady to ride off in the sunset. I mean, as a guy like me, that's kind of a bystander, man. I'm not a Brady, per quote unquote, Brady fan. Uh, I love watching the guy. I hope he wins. Uh, I hope. I hope my I wish you know I like Mahomes a lot. I like the Chiefs, like Andy Reid. Um, but something about this one just tells me that that the Chiefs are somehow going to disrupt this storyline. Um, you know, and then uh, what'll be really interesting to me is if the Bucks do pull it off. Does Brady come back again? Absolutely, and I think he does. Yeah, I think he does. That's what makes that guy different. The, the problem, man, he looks like he's gotten better as the years going on, dude. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. If he can stand there in the pocket and throw the ball like he can to the guys that he has on his team to throw the ball to, why he could play at least 60. I mean, God, as long as the guy – I don't care what anybody says. The dude has not lost anything on his on on his, on his passes, accuracy, that sort of stuff. He got flicks his wrist. It looks like he shot a bullet out of a cannon or a cannonball out of a cannon or a cannonball out of a gun or whatever, man. He's just great. And, mm-hmm. um, you know – 
Yeah, uh, you start you start putting a little pressure on him like they did in, in New England. Uh, you know, like the, his last year there, and you know he can't move. Um, but if he doesn't have to move, he's going to pick you apart, and yeah. it's going to be a fun game to watch. Because yeah, I think I think the Bucks D against uh, against KC is going to be you know the X factor. You know, can they score? And if they can, um, can they outscore Brady? So. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, also, Mahomes is playing hurt. He's had a pretty bad toe. Um, it's kind of funny how he, you know, he was all better this week after getting the shit piled out of him last week um, uh, on that hit. Apparently, everyone said it was a neck issue. He looked damn knocked out to me. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a great Super Bowl. I think Mahomes will have a lot of time in this next couple of weeks to. Uh, Rehab that toe and be ready. But the other question is, uh, what what does everybody do for the so- Super Bowl during COVID? Uh, there is a pandemic going on. Do people do gatherings? Uh, what type of food do we eat during the Super Bowl? Because we do the bachelor viewing parties, and it is CDC approved. Anthony I mean, Fauci would show up and watch oh, it with us. He he would love it. He would he if 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 America acted the way we did on our bachelor viewing party, we would have been over with this. This shit would have been over six seven months ago. That's true. Uh, I definitely think we need to stay away from the tortilla chip, chips and salsa. You know, uh, stay away from the finger foods, guys. Um, you know, it'll it, you, not only are you gonna wind up looking like Bruce Arians and Andy Reid come Monday morning, mm-hmm. uh, but you're probably gonna not feel so hot uh, with mm-hmm. a little whooping cough too. So um, you know, mm-hmm. just keep it in check, guys. It's the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, and I don't give a shit who you are or where you're at. If you're within earshot of this podcast, you cannot convince me that you gave flying fuck about either one of those teams before this weekend so it ain't like you just had it ain't must see tv for you so keep your hand out of dorito bowl you know make yourself something that uh you know make everybody a hot pocket or something they can all just you know enjoy safely right because we're trying to get out of this shit because here's the thing like how do you feel if you're tampa right like this is super bowl what 55 first time in 55 super bowls there is a home super bowl a home team playing a Super Bowl. Like, that's always something that, I, I don't know, as a kid, it was one of those weird things I always cheered for. Like, my team was never going to the Super Bowl. So I always was, like, wishing that a home team would get to play in Super Bowl. Let's go. What? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, Florida. Only, it's only eight, ten hours. Yeah, well, Florida, man, old DeSantis, he'll probably, uh, he'll probably let us do whatever we want to down there. Um, but, yeah, it's so weird, man. Like, how of all years you get to the Super Bowl, your home team, and it's freaking COVID. I mean, even in Florida, they ain't letting, uh, letting them pack the house in there. How about this? Do you guys want uh, Sleek Dog and Big Hulk to go down to Tampa and just cover that shit right there? Let us know. Hit us in the DMs. If we get more than 25 yeses from random people that we don't know or the two people that do follow us besides uh, our girlfriends and listen to every episode, uh, let us know and we'll be there. But if not, we don't get 25 from unknown people, then we're not going. We're doing it right here in Sleep's sleeps office in the studio. But uh, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, Tampa has home field advantage means nothing during COVID just means that uh, Kansas City has to travel a little bit more than they do. Here's the challenge. I'll put it out there and I'll put some structure around it. We have like 140 followers on Instagram right now. And why? It's because largely you folks don't tell other people about how great this podcast is. You get us to a thousand followers before the Super Bowl. And I don't give a shit if now it's got to be, all right, let's say by the Friday before the Super Bowl. Me and Big Hawk will drive to the Super Bowl and we will pod from the parking lot. 
because I ain't paying for a ticket. Done deal. But we'll go. Thousand, thousand, um, thousand likes, followers on our Instagram. Uh, don't even have to subscribe to the damn podcast because if they if they get one whiff of this shit, they're locked in. I'm telling you. So uh, make it happen. We're gonna post a promotional video after this. Not not you know at some point. And we're going to make it official so you can share it. You can get this out to the to your people. A thousand people by Friday at 5 p.m. before the week of this, before the Super Bowl. We're going. Absolutely. Live pod from the parking lot at whatever Tampa Stadium where they have the pirate ship. Hell, they, we might even, you know, Tyler used to play in the NBA. Tyler's halfway famous. We might get a place at somewhere cool to do this. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you'll be able to tell everybody you had a, you had a part in it. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Let us know. Uh, that's, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hell, I can't wait to go to Tampa. Tyler is all is so famous that he, uh, and we're going to transition to a sadder story here, but he played against Kobe Bryant. And as everybody knows, Kobe died a year ago, and the anniversary was yesterday. Uh, I'm going to kick this off with like a little quick story about my whole thought on the whole thing, but it's going to be short, and then I'm going to ask Tyler to share any uh any any Kobe related stories because Kobe, you know what Kobe would do if Kobe had a podcast, he'd find a way mm-hmm. to get his fans to get on board and get them to a thousand so he could get to the Super Bowl. So I mean that's this is what's going on here. This could be electric for you guys. Um Kobe. So I was always a Kobe hater. Always. Just never liked the guy. I always I loved watching him. Loved watching him, but I was a LeBron fan and I was a Michael Jordan fan. And I just Kobe's just was like sort of my nemesis, right? Like I would watch. I had so much respect for that guy. I loved watching him play. I loved cheering against him. Right. I'll never forget. I was in my friend's driveway in Charlotte when I got an ESPN notification that Kobe Bryant, forty-one, died in a helicopter crash, and it was just like, wait, what? Um, and it was a real surreal experience for me personally, like it was for like everybody, because I realized how stupid it was that I didn't like Kobe. Um, you know, and, and, and in that time, in the year that passed, like, you know, you see all this cool stuff about him and it totally changed my entire mentality about him. And, uh, you know, made me wish probably that I had cheered more for him and taken, uh, more pleasure, uh, in watching him be great than, than, than I did cheering against him. I could only imagine, like, that's gotta be one of the highlights of your career, Big Hawk is to, to step on the same court as that guy. Yeah. Um, Kobe's special, uh, mama mentality. Um, he had a unique ability. I think we talked about it when Balkan was on here. To me, the toughest thing in sport is, uh, the mindset and the mental game and nobody mastered that better than Kobe. And he believed in what he did. And I think one thing that we all respect about Kobe besides the work ethic, besides, uh, you know, him having the courage to come from high school to the NBA when it wasn't the popular decision at the time and to be able to take risk and, um, you know, take a chance and bet on himself. But the mentality to the courage to take the shot, if he's been over 15 and the game on games on the line, he thinks he's going to make that 16th shot. The ability to shoot after you've missed uh, as many as he has is unbelievable. He's mastered the mental game. And uh, Kobe was one of my all time favorite competitors to watch. Um, Every night he brought it every night he went, he worked hard. He earned everything that 
he got all the accomplishments that he that he has he earned every one and that's a lot like that's one thing that i don't see much now is in the the younger kids sometimes they want to you know just come into things but kobe worked for everything you heard about his work hours you know being in the gym all through the night different things like that um but my story from kobe was my early years with uh, indiana when i first got to the nba I didn't know this, but Kobe would go to the gym before anybody got there. He would lift and then he'd go shoot before the games. And I'm the same way. And uh, I would go to the gym, work out before people got there. I love being in a gym by myself. And I remember I was shooting on one end and Kobe was shooting on the other end. The gym was, you know, just basically me and him warming up. And I remember after he got done shouting, he came and dapped me up. And told me to keep working hard. And that meant a lot to me. And part of the reason I got to the gym early that day was just to see if it was true. And to watch him work and how easy the game came to him was unbelievable. And uh, when he passed away last year from the helicopter crash, I was just so mind blown because Kobe was this figure that was almost like superhuman. He was like a he was like a superhero to a lot of people growing up that have watched him play. And it was almost like he was almost untouchable because this is a guy that's going to take the game-winning shot. He's going to make it. This is a guy who wants a big moment. This is a guy who's going to make the most of it. And when he passed, I was just like, no, this can't be the pandemic. And now Kobe's gone. Like, this, this can't be true. And I remember when it first happened, I thought um, – I thought, you know, somebody was doing some, some stupid joke, but, uh, no, it is, uh, it was, it was really tough and it made me realize, you know, how quick life is and I don't care who you are or, you know, you know, you know, just showed whoever you are, death is going to happen regardless. And one thing during the pandemic and the Kobe thing is, you know, always appreciate what you have. And I think that's what I took from Kobe dying. And it was such a shock to me because I looked up to Kobe my whole life, studied his game and he's meant so much to so many people, Los Angeles, bringing the championships and what he's done for the NBA uh, will never be forgotten. And uh, it was truly sad to see him uh, go like that. And uh, also the other tragedy is, you know, the people were with him, his daughter, but uh yeah, it just it it was just really tough, and uh, my heart goes out to his family. And another thing is, like, I can't believe it's been a year. Yeah, man, it's some heavy stuff. Uh, it's amazing. <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that I took away is, you know, Kobe is a great player. Um, you know, there are others in his echelon. Very few of them, right? But it's amazing when you have something that with that much weight where you realize what an impact a total stranger can have on everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. that's when you realize like this isn't a shooting star. This is like the big bang, dude. You don't get this. This guy, Kobe wasn't a generational athlete. He's a multi-generational athlete. You know, we've been really fortunate to have, you know, LeBron and Michael Jordan and and, and you could talk about a small handful of guys. I mean, Kobe Bryant, his last game went on drop 60 points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, 40, 50, you're under 60, dude. Come on. I mean, this guy is the king of the switch. I mean, he had it and he'd flip it when he wanted. And, um, you know, and, and he did that game. I mean, he scored 82 points. He's, he, you know, he was just uh, an insane competitor. Uh, and, and I think, you know, he was 
we talked last week about the Tiger Woods documentary. You know, Tiger was deep, or uh, Kobe was like deeply human. You know, he had his own flaws, and there's probably people that still, you know, hold that against him. But you know, you start to realize when something heavy like that happens, just how. Um, you know how it all works and how how uh you know no matter what sort of uh what sort of thing any one of us are are going through or or, or what what our day to day looks like you know we're all fundamentally the same and uh, it is hard to believe it's been a year uh it is a uh hopefully a um silver lining a bookend to a to a tough chapter for probably all of us with the whole mm-hmm. covid thing and uh, yeah, same thing, man. It definitely changed my outlook, not just on Kobe, uh, like I said, but also a lot on life. And um, and I think it did the same thing for a lot of people. Um, you know, not to stay on the morbid topic of death, but also Hank Aaron passed away last week. Uh, I don't know if you, Big Hawk, you know, we 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 give baseball a lot of. <laughs> a, a bad name on this show and rightfully so uh and it, it would be interesting because i bet a lot of the younger people this that this is what was interesting to me about hank aaron is probably a lot of young people don't even know who that is and that's how i kind of realized like i'm getting to that age right where mm-hmm. people don't know i mean when i was a kid hank aaron was it hank aaron always be the home run king in my book i don't like barry bonds and i never will um hank aaron was like a cool dude it seemed like he was a decent man and uh you know, I idolized that guy growing up because the Braves were always on TV. And, uh, you know, he was the first one that was, um, you know, he was Babe Ruth to my generation. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, and man, what a what a great player. What people don't realize. My dad told me these some of these stats is, uh, man, Hank Aaron, if you look at his season stats, I mean, 755 home runs and he had those dude. Like I don't think Hank Aaron ever hit forty home runs in a season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> think about that. I mean, that's like hitting thirty home runs a year. I can't even do that math. Yeah, that's um, crazy, man. RBIs, doubles. There were so many other stats he had that this dude no batting gloves. Dude just rolled up, no tape, no nothing, just straight crushing balls, dude. Like, uh, what a, what a, what a tough one to lose. Larry King came the next day. It's like, comes in bunches. It seems like when you lose some of these, some of these icons, but, uh, yeah, um, it's been a tough, tough year and trickles into 2021 here, but you know, we do have, uh, all the cool stuff they left us with. And, um, what we're going to leave you guys with is our predictions for the bachelor next week is not the finale. Is it? No, we're we're far from that. We still got hometowns and uh, oh, hometowns, yeah, yeah. So we already told you before we get out of here. uh, We'll make it quick. Victoria's gone, uh, done, and then um, I don't really know. I don't know who else they're going to kick out of there. uh, Who else they're going to bring in there? My big prediction: heard it here first. Sarah's coming back. Might not be this week, but it's coming. (laughs) And uh, and mark my words. Yeah. I still think Serena P's in the driver's seat. I like Michelle. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'll put my predictions up, but Victoria's got to go. Yeah. God. Maybe she'd get kicked out. We'd call her up she head to the Super Bowl with us. Uh, <laughs> thousand likes, thousand followers on Instagram. Uh, don't even have to subscribe. By 5 p.m. Friday before the Super Bowl, me and Big Hawk in the parking lot shooting uh, a subsequent episode of Sleep Hawk Worldwide. Big Hawk, you got anything else? Stay safe. Stay safe.